If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Hello, and welcome to This Week Explained. I am Tiana. And I'm Kervin. And today we will be discussing the big geopolitical events of this week. But first, we hope our American audience had a fantastic Thanksgiving. We did. Although, well, oh yeah, I cooked so much. (laughs) In fact, I had to take a breather from my post-Thanksgiving breakfast, which is comprised of all the sides drowning in gravy. (laughs) I'm going to finish that plate. I was challenged to finish it, and I will. Yeah, challenge accepted. I just need to take a breather, that's all. Yeah. Anyways, let's get right into it. What is on your radar for this week? All right, so as every week, it's Russia-Ukraine. We talk about a lot with uh, with Russia this week because there are reports of African students in Russia who are being asked to enter the war with Ukraine. There was an Iran-Russia deal in order to manufacture drones within Russia. But then we'll move out into other parts. So we'll talk Turkey, who's starting a large-scale operation in Syria. This is a large-scale land operation. Hmm. Uh, then we'll go to China, who claims that they have created an aircraft that can reach Mach 9 or, or you know, the nine times the speed of sound. Why well, that, is, like, smash humans? It's, it's very <laughs> interesting, because we'll, we'll get into that in whether it'll be a, a human-piloted aircraft yeah. or a remotely yeah. piloted aircraft and what are the you know what are the repercussions of either of those things with it yeah and we do have a history's mysteries um, <laughs> for for this week we are going to talk about wild bill oh and who that is and what he did and it's a really fascinating and he actually had was one of the people that did a lot of technologies for the oss and the cia Okay, so. don't get ahead of yourself. We aren't at History's Mysteries yet. Well, let's so, start with History's no, no, we're not starting with okay. History's Mysteries. So just get to it. What is the big news coming out of the war in Ukraine? So just like every week for the last month, Russia continues to fire missiles at every major city in Ukraine. Those attacks are devastating the critical infrastructure in Ukraine as temperatures start to fall. <laughs> in all yeah. areas of the country because we've hit winter in the northern hemisphere. Yeah. No, no, December. Will yeah, be it's winter, December but we're approaching. 20 something, 21st or 21st. 22nd. Okay. Yeah. And it was one of those two, <laughs> the 21st or the 22nd. I didn't mind. Maybe it is the 22nd, but I know it's in December, but we are on the cusp of winter and yeah. it's getting quite cold there. Now, yeah. On the flip side of all that, Ukraine is making advances in multiple Russian controlled regions. One particular sliver of land near Kherson that Ukraine is focusing on would be a huge strategic win if the Ukrainians are successful. How so? Well, the strategic advantage is actually twofold. 
on what they're planning to do. One, it would give Ukraine full access to the southern portion of the Dnipro River, which is the river that goes into Kiev, allowing them to control movements on that river so they can do naval movements on that in that region. Now, the other advantage would be that Ukraine could actually prevent Russia from firing rockets on some parts of eastern Ukraine, which would be a good deal for those guys. <laughs> yeah, that would be really helpful for Ukraine if they were successful. Do you think that offensive will be? So, you know, there's nothing that Russia has done on the ground in Ukraine that would make me believe they could repel Ukrainian forces right now. However, that doesn't mean the war is won or the war is <laughs> over. <laughs> yeah. Because the war is not won in individual battles. It's done over time on many battlefields, many fronts. So... What I will say is that this is going to go a long way in helping Ukraine win because the way the war has been going over the last two months is that Ukraine retakes land and Russia bombs every major city. So if they can prevent those missile attacks from happening, it's going to definitely change the trajectory of this war. Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see how that plays out over time. Let's get into an interesting post from our Instagram account stating Russian officials at the Southern Federal University near the border with Ukraine, have been pressuring African students at the institution to join Russian forces in fighting in Ukraine's Donbass region. Does this prove that Russia is struggling to find people to fight in its war in Ukraine? Yeah, I'm sure you already know the answer to that by the way you asked it. Do appreciate the question. Yeah. that's That helps the conversation keep flowing. So the answer is yes. It's 100% Russia struggling to find bodies to throw at this war. Now, the really interesting part about this is that it all revolves under R Russia's increased role in Africa. Now, the report is about African students studying in Russia, but we can't gloss over how Russia continues to try to influence geopolitics on the continent of Africa. Yeah. The, the, Wagner, the Wagner Group has just wreaked havoc in the Western Sahel. So that's that Western portion, the Western you know, desert portion of Africa. Yeah. The military is working closely with China to set up bases in the eastern portion of the continent in Kenya, Ethiopia, those those places. And also Russian intelligence continues an anti-Western PSYOP campaign to remove French and American forces from the continent. Do you have any examples of those PSYOP campaigns? Yeah, so some Russian intelligence agents have been spotted in Western African countries like Mali, and which are former French colonies. They've been spreading reports of French atrocities in colonization of the region you know, yeah. from the past. Mm -hmm. Now, this has made those governments rethink their relations with France. Mali officially kicked out French forces in favor of that Russian mercenary group. So their campaign's definitely working on the... And how does this change the geopolitics in the region? Well, first, it adds the continent of Africa to the battlefield in a future global conflict, something we saw in World War II. And, and that's really going to devastate some of the poorest countries on the continent at a time of already extreme global unrest. We're already in, you know, yeah. economic turmoil. Yeah, turmoil, all that. If both Russia and China can maintain a stronghold in those countries like Mali, they could hold a tactical advantage against Western nations like Spain, France, and the UK uh, because of that close proximity. So it's going to be very interesting to see how France, the US, and the UK fight against Chinese and Russian influence in Africa. And that is why the African University students report is so interesting. So Russia is telling these students that if they fight in the war in Ukraine, they're going to receive a lot of money and could also become Russian citizens. Now, some African... Uh, sorry, I don't know. I just don't... 
they could become Russian citizens. Like it's so great there. Yeah. I mean, well, when you know, all you can, you know, as a student in Russia, if all your news reports that you're seeing are pro-Russian propaganda, yeah, you could be influenced. You in, yeah, you might be enticed to take that offer, but ugh. yep. Now, as someone who you know, since we've been to Russia and we saw a lot of the housing that people have to live in, which I guess, depending on what part of Africa those students right. came from, obviously it would be. A step up but it's still not that great yeah now some of the african students did mention that they are being pressured to enlist yeah. uh, not with not enticed but pressured yeah so they've said that officials were telling them that their scholarships would be denied if they don't fight in the war what? which is ridiculous to me that is uh, crazy so it, it would be as if a I don't know, a Ukrainian student It is at Harvard, and yeah. Harvard is pressuring them to join the U.S. military yeah. for some reason. That would be well, crazy. I mean, that ought to clue those students in how it would be to live in Russia. Right. They're yeah. already pressuring them, putting, you know, putting the heat on them to join the war, and they're not even citizens yet or anything. They're just at school trying to learn. Yeah. And, and maybe just let, don't. Get a scholarship there. Go back, go back home. Uh, you know, reevaluate where where you want to go to school. Because yeah, uh, it's it's a very as I'm sure everybody's listening right now. It's a very interesting event that happened. We're definitely going to come back to this in a future okay. episode and see what happens there. Yeah. Well, let's stick with Russia because it's all about Russia right now and it discuss is. their deal with Iran. A report came out this week that said Iran and Russia had agreed to a deal to allow the manufacturing of Iranian drones in Russia. Why is this an important step for both countries? Yeah, well, Iran and Russia, like I said, reached that agreement this week so that they can begin production of attack drones in Russia. Now, you probably think, and some of the same thoughts that I had, that Iran has enough to worry about. Yeah. Massive protests in the country extreme sanctions that are currently disrupting everything in that country. Yeah. However, what does make sense is that Iran needs to make money to keep the country stable as that's every country, every government <laughs> needs money. Yeah. Yeah. So this agreement solidifies Iran's position as a Russian aligned country that could benefit from working with Russia. And Russia is helping Iran financially and Iran is helping Russia militarily. But yes. you said China. And I'd like to know, does Iran align themselves with China and what benefits do both countries receive if they are working together? So official relations between Iran and China began in 1937, but due to the Silk Road, those civilizations have had a history of cultural, political and economic exchanges for over 2000 years. Yeah. Now, in modern history, China and Iran have developed a very friendly economic and strategic partnership, and this allows for both countries to sustain themselves during extreme economic sanctions from the West um, because they can work together financially. Yeah, pull their resources. Perfect, yes. Now, the real interesting part is that China is a nuclear nation. They have nuclear weapons, mm -hmm. and Iran is a nation that is trying to advance their nuclear capabilities as of yeah. now we don't know if they have a nuclear weapon so the two countries are aligned on that aspect they would you know china would like to see iran develop a nuclear weapon and you to work together so 
No one is surprised by these two countries' relations, I'm sure. I know you asked the question, but you are not surprised by my answer at all. And this is sort of a peek inside the geopolitics of future global war. So Mm -hmm. we're going to start seeing these countries make their alliances public like Iran is doing. Yikes. I was just thinking about my mind went off somewhere else, but I was just thinking about how, you know, China is trying to help Iran develop their nuclear capabilities. But I was just thinking eventually that could backfire on them if they ever have a conflict, you know. Definitely. you know, but anyways, it could, it could backfire on them or it could set them up uh, on a on a higher stage in the world of geopolitics. So it, it's all going to be how everyone reacts to it because okay. China holds so much power in the yeah. world right now. Yeah, it, it's going to be very difficult for a lot of these countries to go against China. Well, are there any alliances that would surprise you? I don't know about being surprised can't think of any right now, but I'm really interested in how South American countries are going to act when a global war does begin. Mm-hmm. I'm talking Brazil, Venezuela, Colombia, possibly aligning with China once they invade Taiwan. So th- those are countries that align more in a socialist mm-hmm. style government, which is yeah. what, what China has. And which is what they're trying to like. They, that's why they don't like the West. Correct, and they want to put it on the on a global scale. Yeah, they, they want that sort of government on a on a global scale, so they can control the entire global population. Right, right is right. how I see it. Thank so you for are... adding that little. <laughs> that's how I see it. I don't know if that's I, I, true, but that's how I see it. <laughs> right, and I would hope there were people listening right now that disagree with that, and I'd love to hear the points on yeah. that disagreement, and I could change my mind. Yes. Now we've, we're discussing all of that on the scale of. South America, Brazil, Venezuela, Colombia. We haven't even talked about the Belt and Road Initiative that we've discussed probably like a year ago yeah. from China. And that That's sort, so that weird. initiative, it is weird. <laughs> Sorry, about a year ago, we discussed it on the podcast. <laughs> Sorry. It's been crazy. It's flown by, honestly. Yeah. But okay, that, that Belt and Road Initiative could really influence countries like India, Kenya, and Pakistan, which mm-hmm. has some anti-Western thoughts in in some of those countries. Mm -hmm. So those are the two huge pieces I'm going to be looking into as we get closer to that 2025 plan from China. I'm sure everyone listening will be paying attention to that. Let's move over to Turkey and discuss their new offensive in Syria. What is the latest? Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Yes, the Turkey said it is planning a ground operation against the Syrian Kurdish People's Protection Units, also known as the YPG, after four days of airstrikes in Syria and Iraq. What are U.S. and Turkish Turkish relations like right now? I mean, I know in the past it's teetered between friendly and combative. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Has this planned operation changed anything since the U.S. has helped Kurdish forces in the past and there are U.S. personnel in Syria fighting ISIS? So that's a very good question. Right now, yours is still true. Okay. Turkey and U.S. relations remain in limbo. Uh, They've been friendly with each other in denouncing Russia, but Turkey has at one point held hostage, basically, a U.S. military personnel that was traveling through Turkey. So, like, 
that's that's just shows how that limbo is. You know, mm-hmm. Friendly relations that can get very combative. So this, the Pentagon said the Turkish attacks had directly threatened the safety of U.S. personnel working in Syria to defeat the Islamic State. Also, those Syrian Democratic Forces are a U.S.-backed militia alliance that's made up of those YPG Kurdish forces. Mm-hmm. So that is a U.S.-backed militia that Turkey's fighting against. And they have accused Turkey of using the recent bombing in Istanbul, if you remember that from a few weeks ago. They, they are saying that it was Turkey that did it as a pretext to launch a long plan cross-border. Because the, the Kurdish group denies being involved in that bombing. So it's going to be very interesting in a geopolitical sense as Turkey decides where and who they want to align with in the future. So it's like a false flag? They're implying it was like a false flag event? They they are, and I've, I haven't seen any reporting that shows that that is true. It was a false flag, um, uh-huh. but reports out of Turkey are minimal anyway. So Yeah, they're just, you know, well, I mean, like every country, they're trying yeah. to bolster support for their decisions, you know. Yeah, like when the when the CIA killed JFK, you know. Yeah, back wait, then. We haven't gotten to history's mysteries yet. Stop, don't start <laughs> feeding people like conspiracy theories. Yeah, thank you. That was <laughs> yeah, a conspiracy like, theory, but. Well, speaking of which countries Turkey will align with, let's talk about China's possible new aircraft that can make speeds of up to Mach 9. Our wow. good friend Max had a really great question on Instagram, and he asked if a human could even fly at Mach 9, or will this be an unmanned aircraft? Yeah, thank, thank you, Max, for engaging with us, and it was good oh to god. see you a few weeks ago. Oh my god, you sound like a robot. Shut up, just get to it. That's right. Answer the question. I still got a sore throat, too, so. Oh, I keep coughing. You're going to have a lot of coughing that you're going to need to pull out in post-production yeah. because I can't stop coughing and sniffing and snorting. Okay, never mind. Long COVID. Sorry. Oh, don't, don't you put that in the universe. <laughs> you know, not long COVID. I have tested negative. I've just That's got tr- the residual little symptoms that are trying to fade away. Charlotte still has her cough too. Oh my yes. gosh, what is wrong with us? Answer Max's question. Okay. So, so sorry. It is very important. The story is very important because it shows where China is focusing their military. Now, this week, researchers in China, as you said, claim to have developed a hypersonic engine capable of propelling a plane up to the speed of Mach 9, nine times the speed of sound. That is incredible. That's ouch. If true, if that's true, it's true. Out. It's <laughs> out. Now, as for uh, Max's question about the viability of having a human pilot in the aircraft, yes, it would theoretically be possible with the proper equipment and training. And just a little sidebar on this, because neither of us have seen the new Top Gun, but the sure. reports I read was that, and this is, if you haven't seen Top Gun, I don't think this is a spoiler, but spoiler alert, Okay, they fly a... Lockheed Martin type aircraft at Mach. Obviously, Tom Cruise flies it. Of course, he does. <laughs> and of course, he does. And so, a human of Tom Cruise's caliber could could possibly fly that piece of okay. equipment. <laughs> well, duly noted. Then now, as far as the unmanned portion of the question and whether it could be used as an extremely fast drone. That remains to be seen because the technology, as far as I know, this is a field I worked in for over 10 years when we were at Bragg, and the technology is not capable of maneuvering a plane remotely at that speed. Okay, so you're saying that more likely right now, with as far as our technology goes, it 
would probably be a manned aircraft because our technology isn't right. where it needs to be. Okay. It would be Tom Cruise, probably. It would be Tom Cruise. Well, what technology is needed to make it be able to be piloted remotely? Okay. Yeah. So, like you said, a drone, which is just a, it's gone through different names in the military, an unmanned aerial vehicle. Yeah. Or a, Remotely out. piloted aircraft, which is the newest terminology. Right. For reasons I won't mention on here. But oh, you better um, explain that to me. I, I'll, I'll explain. Although I'm not even going to I'm not even going to remember the question. <laughs> but I'll still explain. Um, well, just come up here and start telling me about it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll be like, why are you going on about this? About why they changed the term? Like, And then you'll listen to the episode and you'll understand. Okay. Well. But so when, when a drone is piloted remotely as it as it has to be the mm -hmm. aircraft needs a stable connection or what we call a link to connect the pilot to the aircraft from a distance now when that connection is lost the plane typically loiters or kind of pauses in the air yeah. for about 30 minutes and then begins after that 30 minutes is done now the the time there is arbitrary you can set it up 30 minutes whatever but yeah typically it's 30 minutes it begins to make its way back to wherever it took off from. So at the speed of Mach 9, that link could be broken many times during the flight. Yeah. Now, could China be working on a fix to its satellites that would allow this to happen? I'd be surprised if they aren't. So we're, we're seeing the use of drones along multiple front lines. We've got Ukraine and Russia using drones effectively. Saudi Arabia and Yemen are fighting with drones. And I'm sure everyone is aware of the U.S.'s use of drones in every battlefield since at least 2007. So this is a very important technology to improve upon. Mm. So are there any negative aspects to drone usage? Yeah, the, so the biggest is the type of... So the type of drones that the U.S. uses are a loitering aircraft or ISR aircraft, intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance. That's different from, let's say, what Russia is using, which are like kamikaze drones. Mm -hmm. which you can just take off, find a spot, and crash into it and destroy a certain spot. That's not what the U.S. does. They typically put an aircraft up and let it circle around for hours. Mm -hmm. uh, and they are not effective in a denied environment, meaning if the U.S. is engaged in a war with, I don't know, let's say China, it's going to be very difficult to use drones in that airspace because China controls their airspace. <laughs> yeah. And they there's very easily ways to take the aircraft down. They wouldn't even need to use a weapon. You don't need to send a missile to shoot it down. You simply jam the signal to the aircraft like we talked about just a few minutes ago, mm -hmm. and it would just exit the airspace. That would be gone. nice to let us keep our drones. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. That. Instead of shooting them out of the sky or whatever. That'd be I bet they spent millions of dollars on this. We're just going to jam the signal and let it go home. That's what we're going to do. That's not going to happen. But <laughs> no, no way. No way. But this is why emerging technologies in the unmanned vehicle industry is so important. That goes mm -hmm. for unmanned submarines, unmanned naval equipment, all not just aircraft. Yeah. Um, anyone using drones in World War III would need to have figured out the link issues as well as improving a drone's own self-defense mechanisms. Thanks. Because uh, they don't have anything that's going to help them fly around a missile and dodge, you know, attack. Or fire a missile. Or 
Well, they, well, no, they, they have missiles. They have missiles, they do. right? Yes. They're, yeah. Sorry. Um, Duh. My brain just kind of shorted I, out. I have my issues with some of the, the weapons that are attached to them, but hey, I'm not making those decisions. So, yeah, you're not. But I will say that the group that leads the way in improving that technology is going to have mm-hmm. the upper hand in a global war. Well, that does make sense. Do you have any inside knowledge on how the U.S. or other Western nations are improving on that technology? I do have a little knowledge on it and stuff that I've done and, and continue to do, but it's nothing I can share at this time. Oh, um, okay. Once it's highly classified. Once that oh, information cool. is declassified. Excuse me. Yeah, I'm sorry, sir. My little civilian <laughs> ass over here. That's wow, that, that did sound pretty uh, elitist. <laughs> classified. <laughs> I can't tell all you peons about it. It's just normal you. classified. Normal uh, classified. Uh, <laughs> all right. That's okay. Yeah, once. I'll, I'll, if once it gets declassified, we'll do uh, a whole show. Oh, I can make that you, promise because I know a lot about it. So, <laughs> there we. I'm done talking. Sound like an elitist. You do not. It's fine. <laughs> All right, let's get into this week's history's mysteries. Yes, because we do have one this week. Yes, as mm-hmm. promised after last week's Twitter conversation, which it is still alive, according to Elon Musk. We are now back to discussing the great historical figures in intelligence analysis and espionage. And this week, we are going to discuss Wild Bill Donovan. Let's get right into it. That sounds good. All right. William Joseph Donovan, also known as Wild Bill, is regarded as the founding father of the CIA. People have that nickname. (laughs) Like everybody has that nickname. Not everybody, but, you know, my dad has or, you know, had a really good friend named Wild Bill. Yeah, that's yeah. that's just from that time period, right? A lot of cool nicknames <laughs> from that time period. Okay, yeah, all right. But there is Sorry. also a, a statue of him at the CIA headquarters, uh, and he was uh, an American soldier in World War One. He was a lawyer, uh, but most importantly for us, he was an intelligence officer and a diplomat. He's best mm-hmm. for serving as the head of uh, the first head of the Office of Strategic Services. Another good little, like, cool little tidbit about him is that he is the only person to have received all four of the United States' highest awards. Oh, wow. He's got the Medal of Honor, yeah, the Distinguished Service Cross, the Distinguished Service Medal, and the National Security Medal. Hmm. Not to mention, he's got a Purple Heart, which just means he was injured. injured. Yeah. But uh, that's incredible. He's an incredible guy. That's Uh, crazy. But we'll move on to his intelligence career because that is what History's Mysteries is all about. All right, great. So what were his intelligence accomplishments besides the fact that he is the founding father of the CIA? Like, I feel like you could just friggin' stop talking right yeah. there. Plus, that's pretty. That's a pretty big one. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> done. He founded the CIA. Goodbye, guys. See you next week. He is the, the founding father of the CIA. That is huge in yeah. the intelligence realm. But he was a very important figure in World War II. He was so important. That even Hitler, in a speech to Nazi Germany, used his name. And he, using his name, said he was utterly unworthy of his position in the intelligence service. He sounds salty. Bitter, bitter. Bitter and salty. He does not sound. Wow. Bitter Hitler. Now, much like a lot of things and almost everything that Hitler said while ruler of Nazi Germany, yeah, um, he was definitely wrong about Wild because he was actually the person that oversaw the technologies that would make the CIA an elite intelligence agency. Like what? What were some of his big discoveries? 
So, well, early on in the OSS, he set up espionage and sabotage schools, first of their kind. Mm-hmm. He oversaw the invention of new espionage-friendly guns, cameras, and bombs. What is an espionage-friendly gun? <laughs> good, good question. So, as you can imagine, it would need to be a handgun because it's small. Mm-hmm. But it also would have to have a noise suppression mechanism. Okay. And that is what Wild Bill created. One of those weapons was a 22 caliber HDM pistol that used noise suppression. And this is the this is the story I wanted to get into. And it is the most fascinating part of his entire life, in my opinion. In an effort to gain approval from President FDR at the time, Donovan arranged for a demonstration of the gun in front of the president. So on that day, he just strolled into the Oval Office while FDR was busy working with his secretary. As he, one does. As yeah, one as does. one you can does. Just, just marches right into the president's office. Like, yeah. okay. Which it just shows how close of a relationship he had with the president. Yeah. Because he went in there. The, the president was having a conversation with his secretary. So mm-hmm. probably something very important going on. And he just goes in, places a sand trap on the floor of the Oval Office. Fires Mm -hmm. 10 rounds as fast as he could. 10 rounds from a weapon in the Oval Office. In a sand trap. Into a sand trap. Into a sand trap. Mm -hmm. He then walked over to FDR, handed him the pistol, and explained what he had just done while the president was otherwise occupied. The president had no idea a weapon was fired. And because of that, he immediately approved the use of the weapon. Oh, wow. That's crazy that someone could just stroll into the Oval Office and just fire off a bunch of rounds and no one heard or said or saw anything. Yeah, that's I mean, that's how the the story goes. And like I said, it shows how much Wild Bill was respected and how close the two were within the FDR administration. We we definitely owe quite a few intelligence victories. That's one of the victories. Now we're we're seeing that kind of technology being used for evil in sort of you know hired killings and stuff like that but yeah he he also missed on the pearl harbor attack he was focusing on japan and what japan may do didn't see it coming we did talk about previous intelligence agents from other countries that saw it coming focused on japan and what japan was doing and they did the pearl harbor attack right and he didn't he didn't see that it was how it was going to happen until it Uh, did Okay, okay. So he missed that one. That was a huge one. Yeah, especially since his main focus was Japan. <laughs> but also when you're you're up at that level, you are asking the people below you to give yeah. you the information and oh. give you quality information and that wasn't happening. But he did have way more wins in in the intelligence field than he had losses. Yeah. Um, that's what I mean, made you him can't win them all, you know. Right. Yeah, exactly. You can't win them all. Sometimes you're going to miss Pearl Harbor, you know? Yeah. Sometimes you may miss the in, the exact thing that gets you involved in World War II. But maybe that's the whole point. Okay. And that made him the father of the CIA, which is known as, if not the most elite, one of the top intelligence agencies in the world. Yeah, up there with MI whatever. MI6. I didn't know which number to use. Cause <laughs> I I'm would using say them. the... The Mossad from Israel is right. Is, yeah, is in the top three. Absolutely, um, yeah, so. great okay. guy. And if you're ever hanging around Langley, Virginia, and you find yourself just strolling into CIA headquarters, look oh, for God. a statue before you get kicked out. Okay. Well, very <laughs> interesting. Is there anything else? Well, no. That is 
all the time we have for this week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Oh, good. I get to go finish my post-Thanksgiving breakfast. Mm. You want to tell everybody what you're eating? No. They, use your imagination. It's a long list of stuff. But anyways, as always, if you like this show, please try to tell at least one person about us. We can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a moment, head over to Apple or Spotify and give us a five-star review because those can help us get noticed by thousands of podcast listeners globally. And if you would like instant updates on geopolitical news, you can follow us on Instagram at oakwoodanalytics.com. And we are continuing our work on the website and hope to have a huge update by the start of next year. Yeah, we got a meeting in December that you're now listening, you're hearing about right now, Tiana. So, yeah, what? The, oh, yeah, wait, no, no, no. I know yeah. what you're talking about now. I, got, <laughs> I was like, what? So, what plans are you making without cluing me? Oh, no, that's why you have to be at the meeting. Yeah, a ton of great things coming for yeah. us. It's going to yeah. be, and for you guys. We're so cool. <laughs> Sorry. Sienna. Do you still have COVID? <laughs> As always, thank you yeah. so very much. I, I really appreciate you being here and, and asking the important questions. And until next week, stay safe out there.